You're listening to WECB, the underground sound of Emerson College. Welcome to Vibe Shift. We are Morgan, Minna, Issa, Isabel, <laughs> and we are four pals to talk about music through media. Every week we pick a show or a movie and discuss the soundtrack. Today we'll be talking about Daisy Jones and the Six. Woo! Daisy Woo! Jones and the Six is a show on Amazon Prime that was based on a Taylor Jenkins Reid novel. It is one of our favorites, and we wanted to share the wonderful mythical world that is semi-realistic and kind of loosely based on Fleetwood Mac, but (laughs) today we'll be taking you through Daisy Jones and the Six's discography and what led to their eventual downfall. (laughs) (laughs) And so here we go. We're going to begin with Stumble on Sublime, which is a song that Daisy Jones wrote and was stolen from her by one of her love interests in the show um, and is a good song, but is a really interesting commentary on women in the music industry. So enjoy. that I forgot his name. And <laughs> um, but we wanted to talk about this song real quickly because in the show, it's a big tension point mm-hmm. as Daisy has written this song and shows it to a boyfriend of hers and he steals it and creates his own song out of it. Out of it. And, and it becomes like this top hit mm-hmm. and nobody knows that it's Daisy's song. And it's tragic and it's sad mm-hmm. and it's totally a reflection of all these women's work being stolen over the years. It reminds me a lot of the whole thing about The Great Gatsby and be- it being Ezra Fitzgerald's work and mm-hmm. it being stolen and all that jazz. <laughs> jazz, quite literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, we, we see Daisy as this beginning character, as somebody who's super shy and, like, doesn't want to share her work and is still trying to, like, find her place in this world as, like, on her own, who she doesn't really have, like, big support from her parents or anybody else and so she's sharing her music with this random guy or like just lyric ideas you know whatever and like having it taken from her and Mm. turn into this massive thing that could have been hers you know kind of lights this fire underneath her that we see propelled throughout the rest of the story which I think is super interesting yeah I think that and then like the theme of her not wanting to be someone else's muse yeah because she knows she's worth more than that Mm -hmm. 
And I think that you can just watch this development after that happens to her where she's just like, well, then, like, if I'm not going to be me and I'm not going to stand for myself, then who is, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's not only being amused, but we see Daisy during this, like, first episode being taken advantage of time and time again Mm -hmm. by older men in her life and just completely discarded, not only as amused, but merely as, like, not even human. A lot of them, it's it's a very dehumanizing sequence. Um, And I think that, again, as Isabel said really eloquently, um, that it totally sets a fire under Daisy and, you know, motivates her to put out her own music before somebody else does. Um, The scene that always comes to mind for me is the one where she's in the diner Mm -hmm. and that she says uh, she says like a, an up and downer she puts alcohol in her coffee or whatever um, and he he's like oh I'm going to use that in a song one day or I'll use that in something someday and she goes what makes you think I'm not going to use it and that's such a powerful moment and I think is totally a turning point for Daisy because right after that um, she meets with Teddy and she's getting her music done and so it's not only a good motivator but it's it's some. It's part of Daisy's backstory that she doesn't really share with a lot of people. Nobody knows that that was her song. She gets no credit for it, um, and only chooses to tell Billy when she wants to, <laughs> which is an interesting choice. <laughs> but up next, we've got "Look Me in the Eye" by the Dune yes. Brothers. Enjoy our favorite song. <laughs>
And that was Look Me in the Eye by the Dune Brothers. And that's what put them on the map, you guys. That put that the man the on the moon. <laughs> yeah, man. That's what made Teddy Price sign them to a record label. Oh, yeah, thank God he trusted the process because, oh my. What a song, guys. Those lyrics are so goofy. Okay, I think we should all try. So We were, we were doing this the other night. We were. Like, we put the man in the moon. I put the pot in the plant. Ooh. I put the butter on the toast. <laughs> I put the ink in the pen. I put the poster on the wall. Dang. Ooh, that was a good one. We could be Billy Dune as far we as could. I'm concerned. We and we would be a better person than he is. <laughs> I think anyone could be a better person than Billy Dune. Everybody, go to our Instagram and add another lyric. Yes, <laughs> I'm going to make do. a little poll so you can add to them. <laughs> please, we beg you. I put the dial in the tone. Be for real, dude. Yeah. <laughs> At least there's a sword in the stone reference. My you know, favorite is put, I like grease on the wheel. That yeah, one is my on favorite. on the wheel. Not like in the wheel, not on no, the no, car. No. Like on the wheel, the dude. grease in the wheel. Yeah. What a dude. He's he's such a guy. And like also they play this song so, so many, many times, times in the beginning. I was like, I'm sick of it. Yeah. It's really strange because even when they become Daisy Jones and the Six and then no longer the Dune Brothers, they will play the Dune Brothers, which is such like an interesting thing. Cause like bands will play like solo stuff. Like mm. I think if One Direction reunited, not to talk about One Direction, <laughs> but if One Direction reunited, they would play their st- their like solo stuff. Yeah. If Fleetwood Mac came back for a show, they would hundred percent play like Edge of Seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. But like this when you're touring an album what a choice stop it (laughs) yeah my favorite is when they have their first like real show together and like they play I don't think they open with this song but they play Daisy's song and then they start playing this song and I was like why on earth would you have the set list be this way? And then he refuses to play Look At Us Now like what? oh my gosh that was so annoying like this is your top Mm -hmm. song I know it was like uh, a, so- a sore spot for him but it's really strange because I've actually found that this is like a phenomenon with a lot of artists they just don't like their like most popular song that like this isn't who I represent like I there are like mm-hmm. some artists that, like, there's an artist specifically that I'm thinking of that I know like hasn't released her most popular song because she thinks it will overshadow her other work and refuses to release oh, it and wow. she, she like there's no recorded version like official mm-hmm. recorded version and I just think that's like so strange give the people what they want yeah. play look at us now no, release I, the song I was thinking when watching the show like obviously we have all the story of Billy and Daisy and like the reason that Billy doesn't like you know look at us now like you know what like fine whatever but if I was a fan of this band (laughs) and they don't play their number one song which is probably the reason that a lot of people like got into this band in the first place I'd be I'd be kind of pissed I'll be real you know (laughs) no say it with your chest say it with your chest no I totally agree I feel like that's I feel like there's like stupid reasoning he's just like she was better than me. Like, yeah. okay, dude. She like, all the women in your life are better than you, believe it or not. Like, Once again, uh, it's very easy. Everybody to be in your easier. life is better than you. <laughs> real. Very easy to be better than Billy Dune for real. <laughs> Live, love Billy Dune, but also like suck it up, dude. Like, he has such an ego. Like, I actually really sympathize with Eddie in this adaptation because, I mean, like in the books, they like it was very obvious that you know Eddie hated Billy. That's mm. like his <laughs> shtick. But like we didn't really understand like why. Or like I I didn't really understand why at least. But in the show, Billy just like thing after thing. Billy is like you know messing up the entire band because he yeah. sucks. They're <laughs> all like really like, Daisy and Billy specifically are really selfish. Mm. I'll be real, yeah. and they tend to bring the other people around them down with their choices sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, can we just like be nice and like you know just just suck it up for a little bit yeah it's a really interesting dynamic because obviously like this show discusses like you know the the plagues of an addict and like dealing with that and the ramifications of people in their lives and that's half the reason that billy and daisy get along is because they're the only people who understand that together they they everybody else wants them to be better and they feel as though they're not capable and that's a really interesting dynamic to play with and i, and I think the show does it really well well it's kind of interesting in reference to that to think about like Nikki is obviously like a horrible and like abuser and whatever but he does say this quote um is like to Daisy saying like is it a 
is he your soulmate or is are you looking like in a mirror? Oh, and they yeah. really or do is he like, a reflection. Yeah, yeah, they really do like mirror each other in so many ways, mm. Billy and Daisy, and their relationship is super interesting because of that. Yeah, I think TJR writes really good foil characters of people. I think that she does a really good job, and I'm really glad she was involved in the show because I, I do think that they did these characters justice mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, that struggle. I think that's like a really difficult thing to portray and it needs like a lot of nuance and, you know, whether or not you think the show did that, I do think there is nuance behind all of these characters. Oh, 100%. The nuance, they did nuance and tension just mm-hmm. like really, really well. They wrote that very well. Yeah. And now <laughs> we will be playing, this is the only time you'll hear it because they won't play it live, but this is <laughs> Look at Us Now slash Honeycomb by Ooh. Daisy Jones and The Six. Baby, baby, no 
That was Aurora by Daisy Jones and the Six. I hope you guys enjoyed. But we put two back to back that we wanted to have a little roundtable discussion on. Um, So we played uh, Look at Us Now and we played Aurora. And I personally think that these two songs are really interesting in the discography because they are the ones that Billy leads with. And, you know, Mm -hmm. when Daisy comes into the studio, um, they're kind of like, yeah, the album's written. You can just put vocals on. And she's like, "Um, no, I'm not going to just write. I'm not going to just like sing love songs by your wife all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, that's boring. That's not rock and roll, Um, which I think is a really fun interaction. But also... Are they love songs or are they they just aspirational for Billy? He wants to be in love with Camila. He wants to feel like she's his morning son. But is she? Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I... It's so crazy because after he leaves rehab, you really just watch him just attempt to fall in love with her again. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he's not ready to be a dad and that's pretty obvious. And he just, like... He just, like it's so hard for him to throw himself back into this life with her and like it's so new and I don't know like I think he he definitely loved her when they were young but you know it's having to love a whole different aspect of somebody you know so I don't know Camila deserved so much better Mm. than Billy Dunn and like watching that entire relationship unfold was so like it was really heartbreaking honestly because mm-hmm. Camila really was like always like the first supporter of the band and she was always there right by his side and like when he would like you know before he went to rehab and everything and like that entire arc like when she's pregnant at home oh, and like he's like you know stops answering her calls and is just like completely you know off doing who knows what and it's just like such like a heartbreaking sequence and I but I will agree Morgan I think I think he definitely loved Camilla and like I think he still holds a love for her but I, I don't like I don't know I guess I feel like he got too like safe with it you know what I mean I think he took it for granted mm-hmm. and then like couldn't I don't know it wasn't like exciting to him anymore or something I don't know I think the bet that really gets me is um, right at the end of the show in the final episode there's a sequence between Camila and Billy and Camila's like you know he's he's saying that Daisy sees him in a way that Camila doesn't and Mm -hmm. Camila's like I've loved you since we were 18 do you think I don't see every part of you and it's not that she doesn't see him or understand him as a person it's that she doesn't think she's capable of doing that and that's like I really think is like the worst part Mm -hmm. is that he he thinks that he's so broken that nobody sees it but everybody sees it Camila sees it Daisy sees it everyone understands it I don't know there's there's something really yeah heartbreaking jarring about their relationship but also they both really love each other so it's mm-hmm. it's that really like weird tension and especially that scene with like Daisy and Camila where she, she's like he's all yours I don't know what you want from me but at the same time Camila can feel that he's lacking and so Billy is playing these like two girls and like he he can't he can't help it like on in all honesty like that's what that's what sucks about Billy is like you can hate him all you want but like he really like I don't think he fully understands what he's doing <laughs> at all no yeah I I think so too like Especially, I think in every relationship Billy is in, there's three people in it. Mm. It's Billy, whoever he's messing with, and his ego. Because, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's always gonna be there. Yeah. But, like, if you look deeper into his character, right? Like, he has this massive ego, but I think, like, he's got this low self-esteem mm-hmm. right he was like left by his father growing up and that's like a big part that like impacts who he is as like a person mm-hmm. um and do they do they never have like the wedding scene mm-hmm. yeah that's a really good one in the books if we have any books readers out there <laughs> the wedding scene where he runs into his father again that's really important does that happen? Um, I think that does happen in they, the they ran into him in the first episode but it, they they dragged it out longer in the book in which like it kind of became like a reoccurring thing like not like in terms mm-hmm. of running into his dad but it was like it came later so that the impact was almost like bigger, bigger yeah. um, but yeah um, 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point in terms of his backstory. Yeah, so, like, what I was going to say is, like, he kind of, like, leaves Camila before she can leave him, in a sense, yeah. you know? And, like, more, like, he puts her on this pedestal and romanticizes her as a person. So, like, he just sees her as perfect and that she can't see all, like, the quote-unquote broken parts of him or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, she's a person, too. And he just can't seem to see that, no matter. Yeah, I also think that's an interesting point in terms of. I think if anybody doesn't see the other, it's definitely Billy to Camila. Yeah, and not only just in terms of like seeing her as a humanized person, mm-hmm. which is a really good point, but also he doesn't physically see her for a really long time. He's an absentee father, and I think obviously that like speaks to like you know the cycle of abuse, you know, restarts and all of that jazz, and you know he was left, so he left, and you know so on and so forth but you know it's it's one of those things like it's such a complex relationship and you don't mm-hmm. fully understand what's going on ever you're like camila leave him girl boss but like she can't and she doesn't want to and that's yeah. real too yeah yeah i think there's an aspect of this show that like you get so engrossed in it that you forget it's a timepiece. Mm-hmm. like because what was camilla's to do yeah you yeah. know like in, in 70s, all honesty yeah. it's the 70s she's raising a child and we've never seen her go off and like you know like she's never been able to be an independent force because she's always been following billy yeah you know so like as much as she definitely could if she wanted to it's just like this is what's done it's also like yeah it's like her life like she has like all of her friends there and then like i don't know yeah yeah she uprooted it, her life for him she really yeah. did and she like being that they fell in love at 18 she doesn't know who she is as an individual mm-hmm. without him yeah. i mean and really he doesn't know who he is as an individual without her so it's just like they've never really been apart. No, yeah. and then when, and then when they are apart, he's cheating on her. Like <laughs> that's just the craziest bit. Is the first time they are apart in you know their entire marriage and relationship is he immediately falls to these just terrible behaviors, <laughs> and it, it's a really like interesting dynamic to watch unfold because you're rooting for both of them so hard. You just want it to work. You want them to be safe, and you want them to have a family, and et cetera, et cetera, and yet. Billy Dunis' worst, own worst enemy. And I think that's also really difficult to grapple with. That's It's not that he just sucks. Like, I wish that it was just so simple that it's just that he sucks, but he is his own worst enemy in the same way that it's like, it's all of his backstory and it's all of his his own trauma. And he, all of them need to get therapy, like, so bad. <laughs> I'm actually, something that I do like that the show does is that it does show them getting better. Like, it does mm-hmm. show, like, Billy's progress through rehab. And then at the end of the show, when he goes to rehab and he goes to therapy and him and Camila are able to actually mend their relationship... I thought it was really nice to actually see mm-hmm. that um, that happen in the show, you know, to know that, like, you know, it is possible to, like, work through some of those things that you, like, go through and everything. So I thought that was cool that the show did that. Taylor Jenkins Reid is really just such a master at making these flawed, complex characters that, like, feel like real people. And I just re- it's so interesting to watch everything go down. I think a quote that really stands out to me is Camila in her like final interview um, where she was like, nothing in life is that simple. It's never like that black mm-hmm. and white. And I think that sums up like nearly every Taylor Jenkins Reid book. Something that makes her characters, characters so compelling is the fact that they are so flawed and real and there's nothing that is simple in their relationships like you can't help but kind of root for billy and daisy you want the band to work you want them to just like get up and do it and mm-hmm. they can't and that's like the worst part is because you're sitting there just on the edge of your seat being like please i beg you please i beg you i beg you get it together and with that we are gonna play please by yeah. daisy jones and the six <laughs> what a good
So that was please and regret me. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot we could say about these. I guess we'll kick it off with please. Mm. Um, 
Just it, the audacity in general surrounding this song is crazy. To open a song with, please, I'm down on my knees. I have a family. <laughs> crazy. He's crazy for crazy. that. He's so crazy. The for family that. in question. Mm. What now? Yeah. <laughs> no, and the, the craziest part is that Camila's like, hey, clearly you wrote this. And he's like, no. That's Daisy's song. You know, the girl who has all the family? Yeah, you know all that family that she has that she definitely didn't leave or anything? Yeah, that guy. Like, he's just, he's crazy. And I, I saw a lot of, like, people being like, oh, this song is about addiction. And I wish it was, because here's the thing. That would be a great song. What a great, you know, introspective thing. No, this is actually about Daisy. That's, like, the craziest bit of this song is that it could have been, like, he could have been, like, actually, yeah, it's, like, about my addiction and, like, the fact that, like, I'm just, like, being pulled in by this, like, never-ending force of, like, something that wants me to do something else and I can't help it. No, he has to write it about Daisy Jones, his literal bandmate. Like that's the bit that really, really gets me. And then they perform it, and she sings backup vocals to it. Like what a crazy thing to do! Like what a crazy, (laughs) crazy thing to do! Like honestly, I aspire for that kind of mess in my life. Are you kidding? Like this Mm. is this was the seventies, guys. You Fleetwood Mac, they were falling apart. Rumors is a song, as to quote John Mulaney, uh, an album written for and by people cheating on each other, just like this one. I really respect the fact that this show and just this book encapsulates like the messiness of the 70s and like rock bands in the 70s because who on earth would do this? Billy Dune. Billy Dune. Yeah. Just wow, just just no words, honestly. I really have I wow. The studio is in shock. Yeah. <laughs> was regret was regret me the song that he made Daisy sing? Was that this one? No, regret wasn't regret me the one that she made him. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, yeah again, yeah. like uh, my favorite bit I was saying earlier was um when the Rolling Stones guy is like, yeah, the Aurora is just a bunch of like encoded messages passed from Billy to Daisy. It's all them speaking to each other, and Eddie's like encoded messages. No, this is all like very blatant and obvious. <laughs> yeah. Like you can tell. <laughs> Like what is going on? Like it's literally just like open love letters. Yeah, this to is one not another. subtext. This is <laughs> yeah. this is full text. Yeah, <laughs> and are... that's also with regret me too. That's so weird. Sorry. I mean, slay regret me. Regret me slays. It's a good song. <laughs> anyway, no. I mean, all of the songs are good. Like yeah. I think we're all good. I think we're all. <laughs> and going on to another new and great song is "Let Me Down Easy" by Daisy Jones and Six. Please Yay. enjoy.
So that was Let Me Down Easy. And I love this song so much. But something that I think this song and a whole bunch of these songs encapsulate is how much, yes, it is Daisy Jones and the six, but it, the rest of the band members are, they make it mm-hmm. the six, you know? And I need to put some love on Warren, my unproblematic drummer. Yes. <laughs> my life, mom, I love him. I love him. <laughs> literally. Him and his little vest. Oh, oh yes. my gosh. Like literally, he's like the most unproblematic member of this band. He's just like so grateful for the life that they have, being like the number one artist, and like all he wants to do is just perform with his friends and have a good time and travel yeah. the world. He's like so level-headed. Like yeah. he keeps yeah. them all in check. He's like, listen, like look at what you have. Yeah. Like if look any at us now, if any, no, so how privileged real. we are. Like you have no, exactly. no, no place to complain right now. Like he's now. always like pick your guys' heads up and yeah. look at what's going on around you. You're so engrossed in your own problems mm-hmm. and drama and everything. You are changing the world mm-hmm. actively. And I think that he reminds them of that. Yeah. Which is just like someone needed to be that mm-hmm. when Teddy was not around. Oh, no, I, why would no. you say that? <laughs> because it's the truth. I love Teddy. Yeah, we Teddy's love Teddy. We love Teddy. Guys. We have big Teddy stands. Hey, Graham stands too. We love Graham. Graham. Yes. Graham and Karen's relationship broke me so much. That entire dynamic was like so fun to watch. And then, you know, it like mm. punched me in the heart. But mm. I yeah. love Graham. I'm tearing up in the studio right now. I'm thinking about it. Like <laughs> they really, they all are just... Warren is so guy. Like I just, I want to give him a hug. Like nobody appreciates him. (laughs) Nobody wants to like have fun with him. Like everybody respect Warren. I beg you. Like (laughs) I love the Camila and Warren are like the most level headed characters. Like I, I think that's a really, I think that's Uh a really interesting um dynamic is the fact that like the two of them, um, because they have quite like a good relationship right in the beginning of the show from what I remember. Like they're friends. Mm -hmm. Like the band is friends. That's what we keep forgetting. Like where they came from, they uh, were friends. They just wanted to play together and. Mm -hmm. They totally lost sight of that, yeah. and and Warren is the only no, one who's still holding yeah, on to that. Something I want to speak on is the last scene mm-hmm. when Eddie makes eye contact with Warren on the bus, because I think we forget that when Karen and Graham were off together, and Daisy and mm-hmm. Billy were off yeah. together, the two of them were going to be together, you know? Yeah. They were always, and you see them going out to the movies early on, and just like, you watch their relationship and we get so distracted by everyone else's drama going on that I think we forget that the two of them would have been very close. Yeah. And as yeah. he leaves and he looks, he makes eye contact with Warren. It's just like the weight of that. And we we are so engrossed in Billy and Daisy and Karen and Graham. It's like we don't we forget about the like what's the going on with them, our guys. It's it's really heartbreaking, and I think that you know, again, speaking to TJR's like just writing skills, she writes these really nuanced relationships and characters, and that's an amazing dynamic to be able to play out. These two best friends being torn apart by the thing that they love and brought them together. Yeah, that mm. sucks. Like, oh my, oh <laughs> that's god, heartbreaking. Yes, that's the worst. Oh my god, punch me. Like, <laughs> oh, man. it really is. My tears are in my eyes. <laughs> and with that, we will be playing you. What is next? More Fun to Miss <laughs> by Daisy Jones and the Six. Ooh, I still need a drink for all the glasses in the sink. From chasing a shot that went through hell. For the record, I'm fine with what left of was mine. Took you by mistake for someone else You're just a wild guess In a see-through dress I wanna hear you squealing up my drive It took guts to think That I would buy that wing But that little thing you do Just stay down in a bright It must be how your little mind gets fed Now do I shoot straight or do I cheat fate Oh, it does a number on my head But I don't pull tricks Last time I hit a lick was when I heard this 
Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, we've got our final song coming up, which is The River, which is the pinnacle of the entire show. It is the final song the band plays together um, before Billy runs off of stage. Um, there is a lot of tension. There's a lot of issues going on in the band. Um, and it's a it's great palpable. way. It's palpable. <laughs> and this song does a great job of doing that. Um, and it's super high energy and it's super awesome. So we're about to play you The River. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We have been Vibe Shift. Have a good one.